All right, hello everybody, welcome back to Turning Left. I am Jason Allen, of course, with me as always, Sir Richard Donan. I love being here and beating people up when they're GOP members. And we didn't even have to pay him to say that, isn't that great? <laughs> hello everybody, welcome back uh, after a tough last couple weeks. Uh, we, I would like to say that we were all on assignment, but we weren't, we were all sick. We were la laid low by this nasty ling lingering bug that we're okay now. We're here. Hello there. We've got a special guest today. I'm excited about this because uh, usually when we get on the air and we, we talk and stuff, we, we not only talk about uh, all the bad things the people on the right are doing, but we want to try to advocate and try to uh, give our... We're offering solutions here, right? Hey, that's, what that's we're doing. the name of the game. Right. And so tonight, we've got Dorothy Gasquet. She is the uh, candidate for the 3rd District out of Washington State for the House of Representatives. She's going to the show, and uh, when she gets big, you know, when she's, like, sitting on the Senate panels, and they'll we'll say, hey, do you remember a show called Turning Left? She'll say, i never heard of them at all. Who are they? <laughs> well, it's the House, so it'd be Ryan's right. some panel. but Right, so we got Dorothy coming on here in just a <laughs> second. Folks, uh, we're not going to be covering a lot of, like, the current events this morning, uh, simply because uh, we're going a different route with the uh, interview and stuff. So if you want to know what's going on with the world... Google it. How's that? Anyway, hey, folks, we are going to be here with Dorothy right now. Let's uh, have her say hello real quick, Dorothy. Hello. Thank you for having me. Excellent. You bet. Hey, uh, one of the things that uh, I like doing about the show here is uh, really finding the, the next batch of people that are going to make an impact here and uh, really trying to help shine a spotlight, right? Because we've got so many, like, negative uh, personal people. I mean, you got the Paul Ryans of the world. you got the Mitch McConnells of the world. you got uh, all of the uh, other nameless right. And uh, I, I love the fact that uh, there are, are, are good, young, eager Democrats, progressives, ready to pick up that torch and march it forward, right? And uh, so thank you for coming on the show here. You're welcome. Excellent. Dorothy... The first question I ask anybody is uh, when, when they're uh, getting into politics and they're running for public office is just, you know, not why. Why are you doing this? But that, that moment that you decided in, instead of just being politically active, you're going to actively run for it. And I, no, 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 I'm going to run and I'm going to make a difference. Uh, how did you get to that point and tell us what it was like personally for you? Uh, well, I uh, really started thinking about running for office kind of during the Bernie Sanders campaign. I just thought, you know, it's time. Um, but the to get me to the point that I was actually going to jump in to run for Congress, it was after the 2016 elections and sort of the progressive choice that we had got pushed out in the primaries right. by a last-minute entry. And... That made me kind of think, well, we need someone else. We need someone who's a little bit more dynamic, someone who can reach those younger voters and get them out to vote. We have um, in the 3rd Congressional District, we have about a 40% baseline Democratic vote. Mm. And so it takes, mm. it takes someone who's going to be able to energize new voters to come out and cast that ballot and make people believe again and have hope. A lot of people don't want to vote because they don't, they don't feel like they're represented by either party. Yeah. And so that's just kind of where I was like, well, who's going to do it? And then 
when and no I'll one, do it. Yeah, when yeah. no one else when no one else stepped in, I had been the lead grassroots organizer for the Bernie Sanders campaign, and so I'd already built a pretty strong base in the district. We won with eighty point eight percent of the vote, and so I already had established those connections. And it just yeah. was a natural step up for me to run for this position. Actually, yeah, let's talk a little bit about your background. Uh, you have a, a, a varied, really, what I would consider tailor-made background. Uh, it's got le- leader written literally all over it, okay? She was a, she's a fed, third-generation uh, public servant. She served eight years in the Army, deployed to Iraq, and otherwise all-male combat. We're going to have to ask questions about that coming <laughs> up. Uh, uh, although she was training as an anti-tank missile systems technician, the insurgent forces did not have tanks due to her rank and as a non-commissioned officer. She was often asked to lead combat patrols. Holy cow. We're talking to Superwoman here. Uh, obviously. And gutsy on top of it. Right, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> she has a great experience uh, not only in the uh, progressive movement in Clark County, but as a, as a community organizer. And so you've really learned the game of politics from you know, from the trenches, the, from the trenches, right? Uh, and so I, I, I think it's so fantastic that uh, we've seen an outpouring uh, uh, of new, exciting candidates that have responded to the old Trump, you know, the or, or the old right, and say, no, we're not going to take this. You know, cue the twisted sister video of you. Know, we're not going to take the it. tsunami is coming. Yes, yeah. Uh, how exciting is it, though? I mean, to uh, to run. I mean, you're running for the House of Representatives. You know, uh, to take us in a little bit about your mindset as you go forward. Uh, well, it's exciting and scary, and um, but it's being able to get out there and talk to people. And I, I've had a lot of really wonderful conversations with people from both sides. And really, I think we're all, if you're not in the wealthy, you know, 0.01%, you're hurting. Mm-hmm. You know, every, mm-hmm. every one of us is struggling, even those of us who are kind of on the upper end of middle class. We're, we're seeing a diminishing return. Right. You know, and it's getting harder and harder for us to be able to pay our bills. And then, and there's all these people who are now falling through the cracks. I mean, right now in our district, we have a couple of thousand homeless children going to school. Oh, that's tough. Right? And that's yeah. that's something that we all should be able to say, you know, that's not that's not right. That's not the way things should be. And so we need to get back to sort of the FDR ideals of the Democratic Party mm-hmm. and making it better for everyone. Right. Uh, so, so let's talk about some of the issues now. Uh, because I, I, I truly believe that during the last campaign cycle back in 16... <laughs> It was it, anything but the issues. It was all cult of personality, uh, scandal this week, scandal that week, and sort of just this huge, giant, muddy uh, pile of refuse. You know? So uh, let's talk about a little bit about education. And we're talking about, like, uh, you, you just mentioned a couple thousand of homeless children in your district. Uh, where do you stand on... Um, really promoting better education and making that, that better education more accessible to the most people. Yeah, well, I think um, we definitely, this is the 21st century. It's time for us to accept that maybe a high school education isn't enough, so that we need to expand public education beyond that and have two, two routes for people. The people who want to go on to a four-year university and go into more academically heavy fields 
you know, and also the ability for people to go into trades and learn skills. And those people don't have to wait until they get out of high school. Right. Those trades can be taught in high school. Gotcha. Uh, Sir Richard, any questions? Yeah, um, no, well, when it comes to education, I think <clears throat> um, the other side tends to believe you throwing money at it doesn't work. But yeah. if you throw money into reducing class size, doesn't that seem to help? Yeah, I think um, the other thing when people say that, they go off <clears throat> of the average amount spent per student and say that we have some of the highest averages in the world. Um, but it doesn't take into account that when you're comparing to, say, like Finland, where things are centrally funded and that money is spent per student. In the United States, yeah. that money is not the same if you're an inner city, you go to an inner city school or a rural district. You're not getting that kind of money unless you're going to a rich suburb somewhere because we, we value, we determine the spending based on property taxes. Right. So it's based on your zip code and not on an even and fair investment per student. Gotcha. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's quite refreshing to hear. A, 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 isn't it nice to actually hear a great articulate answer, you know, that, that makes sense? It's, yes, we're, we're obviously desperate for it. Right now, I'm so used to the, you know, <laughs> the the guy up there with the uh, orange, you know, orange face with the chia pet on his head making hand signs, like, it's bad, sad, or whatever. And it's like, we're just, we're just sitting there thinking, pan out, me and Richard are just like, you know, she's <laughs> making, this is great, you know. Uh, give us an outlook of what it's like in your district, Give in a nutshell, uh, What's it like now in the third district in Washington, and uh, and, and what counties does that cover? Right, All right. So, well, there are seven counties. Um, it goes up to Pacific County on the coast, Wakaikum, um, and then over we've got Lewis, Cowlitz, Clark, Skamania, and Klickitat. Oh, so the Columbia River, roughly. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Yes, we go from the coast to the into the gorge. It's uh, 10,000 square miles. It's a very large district. And it's split, so Clark County is largely urban. The rest of it's rural. rural yeah. Gotcha. Um, take us through a little bit about um, how the, the uh, nuts and bolts and, and running uh, to get that campaign started. Because, I mean, I'm, I imagine there's all sorts of forms you got to fill out. And I'm sure a lot of people, they thought, well, you know, maybe I want to run for office, but they don't know what all it entails. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, take us about what, what you had to, uh, what hoops you had to jump through <laughs> to get to the position you are in right now. Well, it's, it's not as complicated on this. Uh, we just have to file with the FEC. And then the, the complicated part is tracking the donations and filing the quarterly reports and making sure that we're all in compliance. It's not as hard for us to ensure we're in compliance because uh, we're only taking, you know, mostly small donations. Right. You know, it's grassroots fundraising. So it's easier to stay in compliance. It's harder for my treasurer because we have a lot more donors. Mm. Well, it's not opposed. a good thing, yeah. though, right? <laughs> that's actually not, that sounds pretty good to me, yeah. Uh, yeah, because... I, I see uh, a lot of the talk about, especially after 2016, is, uh, uh, you know, man, more people need to run. We need more candidates. Uh, and then, But they don't really know what that next step is, right? To take it from, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington <laughs> into the actual, oh, yeah, I need to do this, this, and this, and this to actually do it. 
so uh, that's some food for thought for people today as they're looking uh, into next year here. And um, what is the primary uh, system like in the state of Washington in your district? What, what, uh, what's going to go on here in the next six to eight months? So we have an open primary, and it's uh, top two. So all of the candidates, including the Republican incumbent, will be on the same ballot. And then the two who get the highest votes move on to the general. Gotcha. How many people are right now in the uh, or have declared themselves? We, we have five. So the incumbent and then four Democrats. Gotcha. Now, I, I, I don't want to say anything negative about the rest of the Democrats, but obviously you're going to win, right? <laughs> so, I mean, we won't even mention, not, let alone the Republican on it. But uh, uh, have you met with, like, different civic groups and different, uh, what's that like? You know, pressing the flesh, so to speak, <laughs> knocking on doors, doing the day-to-day, -day, you know, hi, my name's Dorothy, I'm going to be your rep, you know. What's that like? Uh, I really like it. I really like getting out there and having conversations with people and really getting to see different perspectives of what's going on. Yeah. You know, and I just think, I mean, people are, people are hungry for change. They're yeah. ready for, to get some people into office who are bold. I mean, that's the, the problem with the Democratic Party is they haven't exactly been taking bold stances. And so people have lost faith in them. Right, yeah. Especially when it comes to uh, issues dealing with the economy or economic issues themselves. Because I always thought the, the one staple of the Democratic Party was uh, relating to the blue-collar working-class people. I mean, those, those were our peeps, you know? And I, I found it real kind of, I guess the overriding emotion is sad that during this last election, people had to turn to a, a guy with a fake spray tan and a bad chia pet hair rather than, you know. Mr. Orangutan. Exactly. So I, I, I love the fact that you're, uh, uh, one of your ethos is to reconnect with the working class and, uh, and with the blue collar and say, hey, you know, uh, not only am I, you know, with you and one of you, but here is my vision, right? Because... I, to me, and I know I'm rambling on and on, but uh, so much we we've been so uh, inundated with the cult of personality, we've forgotten what it's like to have a candidate who actually uh, has a braid, you know, and actually can articulate. No, this is not only what I feel, but this is what I want to see for the future, and it's uh, it is it's quite refreshing, Sir Richard. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, usually, candidates have one or two. Well, there's a whole core value system there, but they usually have one or two things that really they are excited about more than the other ones. So if, when you get to Congress and they ask you uh, what committees you'd want to be on, what would that look like? Hmm. Well, I think <clears throat> obviously veterans issues are really important to me. Yeah. Um, that's a given. Um, and uh, honestly, appropriations I got a okay. math degree. I'd love to put that to work. <laughs> right, yeah. Jeez. Uh, uh, I don't even know where to begin on uh, on those sort of commissions. I would be totally lost. Th thank God you're running for something and not me because, you know. Uh, what would you like to see, uh, for example, in uh, Veterans Affairs? Uh Obviously, you being a, a, a veteran has, has given you maybe a different perspective on it than people who are, you know, civilian that have never really had outside looking in, so to speak. Like most of the GOP. Like most of the GOP. Except for McCain. Right. Well, I think um, bringing the recognition that 
the majority of veterans are actually pretty happy with the care that we receive through the VA. Um, but the problems are that they're getting bogged down. We have an aging Vietnam veteran population, which is requiring more and more care. Mm. And, and with all of the other healthcare issues the entire population is facing, more people are coming to the VA for basic health care. And so we need to yeah. be able to fund it to accommodate for those things. I mean, people, they try to put the blame on new veterans, but we actually don't use as much of the health care as the aging veterans do. Sure. But it's something we all know that at this point, 5% of the population uses about 50% of the health care funding, and that's largely geriatric care. Right. Um, so making sure that that funding is in place and making sure that we're using the data that the VA has been collecting to ensure that we're delivering care in the places where it needs to be delivered. Oh, that bureaucracy, right? Cutting through all the bureaucratic stuff to actually start to address the problems that are there. And there's a couple other issues. I mean, they want to cut uh, benefits. It used to be that... Uh, when you served, the GI Bill was there for you, so you could go and uh, increase your skill level once you were out of the service, and they're just about to chop that off. The, uh, the Republicans want to chop that off in the uh, budget they're currently wrestling with. Yeah. Uh, uh, that brings a good point. What, what do you, because obviously when you knock on the doors and shake the hands, kiss the babies, do everything like that, uh, you're going to run into some real hardcore guys in red hats, you know, make America whatever again. Uh, women hat. too, by the way. Right. How, 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 how do you uh, combat that word uh, if, you, if you try to state what you believe and what your vision is? Uh, just the same platitudes coming back at you over and over and over again, you know, make America great, yada, yada, yada. I mean, how, how do you as a candidate kind of hurdle that and get some meaningful, you know, kind of dialogue going on? Um, usually I start by talking about my service. You know, I think that we share a lot of the same values. Mm. Um, I bring something that a lot of Democrats don't is that I tend to wear my patriotism on the outside. You know, it's something that I'm, yeah. I've always considered myself, you know, a patriot. I love this country. I, um, I really believe in the promise of America. I don't think we're delivering on that. But I <laughs> think that the, our foundations, you know, the foundation of this country, if you think about it, it's just, it's beautiful to think that we have it written down that all men are created equal. Mm. You know, and that yeah. we have this written, that we have a right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And even in our constitution, the very beginning, it lays out what the role of government is. Right. You know? Right. And so we have this in place. We just have to really kind of tap into it and really fight for those things. Right. And so when, I, when I'm talking to Republicans, you know, I can reach them and we share these values. And then I talk about some of the things, some of the reasons people voted for Trump are a lot of the same reasons people want to you know, Bernie Sanders, as we talk about infrastructure investment. We've got this bridge across the I-5 River that connects Portland and Vancouver, and it's it needs to be replaced. It's 100 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, that's not just that. It's like our our water infrastructure is outdated. Um, anybody who lives in a house built before 1985 has lead solder in their pipes. 
And so we all run the risk of lead poisoning. And so, you know, these people, they, they just want the same things. They want a living wage. They want, you know, infrastructure they can rely on. They want health care. I mean, that's the most important issue everybody yeah. brings up is that yeah. we are in a crisis yeah. with health care. Yeah. And it, it's, just, it's just hard to overcome brainwashing. Well, that's true. You see, that's what that's. I guess what that's where I was kind of coming from is, uh, you hear the same answers over and over and over again. You know, right? You could you could give a clear, concise, articulate, very well thought out uh, discussion, at least on your part, and you know, just coming back with "Make America Great Again" and that's it. It's like uh, soundbite sound mentality, right? And, and uh, I, I think. Uh, what you're doing is awesome because we're getting back to what uh, what the campaign should be about, who who you are and how you are going to affect daily people's lives, rather than the stupid cult of personality stuff that uh, ends up on you know Access Hollywood and all the other stuff. It doesn't mean a darn thing, right? It's it's all shine and gloss. Uh, and I, I love the fact that young candidates down in the trenches at the grassroots level are just saying, we're not having any of this. We're going to talk about the issues again. We're going to, if, you know, we're, we are going to make America, you know, America's already great, but we, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it better. That's right. Uh, so over the next, like, it's an open primary. So the next, uh, only the top two go forward. Are there going to be, like, any debates coming up? Uh, do I don't. Usually, kind of close to the primary, there'll be some forums. Me. Um, yeah. And uh, you need a posse because we are willing to show up <laughs> um, and harass the other side. Yeah, we will. We've got a great posse situation showed up. R- Richard comes in a tuxedo like the MC, <laughs> and I usually show up in like a '70s lounge suit, sort of. Uh, I don't maybe Dick Cavendish, sort of Mike, you know. Uh, like a Donahue sort of thing. I'm just kidding. Uh, just you know, just ponder it for a while. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk to the campaign manager and hook it up. Uh, but uh, this dialogue between the parties, and uh, I guess where I'm going for it is for in the primary system to get these guys together in one room and talk about the issues so you can compare and contrast. Because now it's about supposedly, you know, yeah. Supposedly, on paper, it looks good, right? <laughs> But uh, uh, especially the Republicans, because I got I now the gentleman who holds the seat now is it's a lady. So it's a woman. The, gen- the gentlewoman holds the yes. seat now. <laughs> um, she, she is Republican. Yes. Uh, how long? Has Die she hard. Die hard. How long has she been in office? She's for? been in since 2010. So she kind of rode in on the Tea Party wave, even yes. though she is not a Tea Party Republican. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, without giving her too much airtime here. Uh, what what do you believe is the biggest contrast between you and her? Where's the one thing we could say that that is so different from? Um, a real life experience, a connection to like what it's actually like to work for a living. I mean, she spent her entire life in politics. Ah, okay. So, gotcha. I think um, an actual concern for what's going on in the district and what's going on across the nation. The E word, empathy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is great. Folks, if you want to know uh, what we're talking about, as we're talking with uh, Dorothy Gasquet, third uh, candidate for Washington's third congressional district, you can go to our webpage right now. It's www.dorothyforcongress.com. Very easy, cool URL, dorothyforcongress.com. 
And uh, all, all you that are up there watching right now that are in the 3rd District, uh, this is a good chance for you to uh, get to know Dorothy, right? And uh, hey, no better way. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, To go back to the, what, what made you do, you know, uh, what sort of crazy thought that came in your head that made you say, <laughs> I want to do this. But no, um, uh, when did you start becoming like politically active, would you say? When, when? Uh, well, I've always kind of, I've always been civically minded, always p paid attention to what was going on. Um, I think I started getting more politically active kind of at the end of my time in college and then got extremely active when Bernie Sanders announced that he was going to run for president. Boy, he did galvanize the base, didn't he? I mean, uh, from from the picture-perfect moment of in the Moda Center with the little bird coming down, I, I, I remember sitting there and I was uh, watching the clip of it. You know, the bird comes down, and I, I'm, I always think, and this tells you how uh, on the other side of the camera or on the other side of the microphone, I'm always looking at optics. What's it look like, right? And I'm like, I'm like, you're literally yelling at the screen. You can't write this stuff. This is great. No, you know? that was not planned. Yeah, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. You know, this is great. But Bernie did. He he uh, in, in a uh, in a contest where I mean, and I'm not. If for those of you who voted for Hillary, I'm, I'm you know I I am a obviously we're Democrats too, but she just didn't fire up that base. It was kind of a you know, kind of, well, you know, it's Bernie, yeah, it's Hillary, <laughs> you know. And uh, w without turning into the full Trump, you know, glitter and, and, and uh, plastic sort of cult of personality thing, uh, we need that, though. We need, we need a, uh, especially the candidates we can get behind and feel sort of galvanized and excited that, and, and as, as, you know... Uh, Obama said eight, nine years ago, hope, right? We all need that hope. Uh, how do we instill that hope, Dorothy, uh, now going forward, and, and especially when we're in such a time of, uh, of Trump? I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, just a giant ball of drama and... <clears throat> it's cataclysmic. Exactly. And where do, we, where do we find this hope? Dorothy, give us something to cling to, you know? I, I think we can we can find hope in the fact that um, people are starting to get more engaged. I mean, the, the one thing that Trump bought, brought us was an incredible level of grassroots mm. organizing going on. I mean, you've got Indivisible, and then you've got all of the people who are working on reforming the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. And you've got all these wonderful progressive candidates that are jumping in and running for office and winning. I mean, this last election, we had people winning yeah. all across the country. And it, and it basically, the more progressive you were, the better you did in a red district. Okay. And so there's, there's hope in that. And there's yeah. also just that candidates can come forward and bring that, that getting people to run for office so... I've been endorsed by brand new Congress, and their big thing is that they just want extraordinarily ordinary people to run for office. Right. Because you're electing a representative, somebody who's going to go there and fight for the policies that are good for you. Yeah, shouldn't they, re shouldn't they reflect the people they're yes. serving? Yeah, right? but they don't because most of them are attorneys. Mm -hmm. uh, oh. You know, and a lot of them are super wealthy and... Mm. 
you know, and then and they really they're more concerned with their donors than they are with right. the constituents that they're supposed to be representing. And so we're getting more of these people into office and people are winning without spending the kind of money right. that we thought we would have to spend. Well, that's great to hear. That is great to hear, especially when you hear about the just the cascading costs of just uh, running a campaign these days. I mean, I think we, uh, the last in the general election, it hit an all-time high, right? Right. I mean, some, it was like a billion dollars. Nearly, yeah. And uh, for, for just someone starting out who wants to make a, a difference at the local level, I mean, that can seem very daunting. Right. I mean, oh, my gosh, how how much money am I going to have to raise here? Am I going to have to mortgage not only my and my kids' future, but my grandkids' future as well, right? Uh, so that's awesome that this is now starting to become more at the grassroots level and, and starting that fundamental in the trenches outlook that, uh, you know, we've always talked about here. You know, the, Which was the basis for democracy to begin with. Right, yeah. Uh, do you feel like in the third district up in Washington, uh, have you seen any signs of what people call gerrymandering? The sort of not as much, okay. because in Washington State we have a um, equally appointed board that determines the yeah. district boundaries. So the Republicans pick half the people, and then the Democrats pick the others, and then they put some sort of independent person in charge of all of it. Um, but there was some deals that went on. So when we redistricted in 2010, mm. um, there were some deals that went on to try and protect some of the red districts in exchange for a solid blue district. Yeah. I don't think it was a very good deal on the Democratic side because they made two red districts for one blue district. Yeah. Uh, how, how often, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there for, for general uh, perusal, uh, how often can that be addressed? How often? I mean, when, when can uh, people at the local and state level get together and say no? Uh, well, they're going to have the, uh, <clears throat> uh, pardon me, the uh, Supreme Court is going to rule on gerrymandering. Yeah. And it's probably going to go down that gerrymandering is unconstitutional because it uh, removes the one person, one vote rule, right. which is supposed to be spread equally throughout uh, the state. And there's been some already turnovers, right? I mean, I think Texas last month. Or yes, month before, they got they got nailed for slapped it. down for that. Yep. Uh, North Carolina, I believe. Yep. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what it's like here, because I think one of the pivotal things that happened this last election was those gerrymanderings in, in the battleground stage. You know, uh, uh, Pennsylvania. You know, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Michigan. Yeah, even Virginia. You know. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that's addressed because uh, that that's dirty pool right there. That, that <laughs> well, was just so, you know, you if know. they if they just set set it up like uh, a chessboard, yeah, with equal numbers of red and black squares, uh, then they wouldn't have these uh, oblong, weird shaped uh, uh, things that are there just to protect uh, the Republican voters because they don't have enough. Uh, clout in their own districts. Mm -hmm. That is so common sense. It's 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 never gonna work. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, uh, Dorothy, what 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 does your next month or two uh, look like? And I'm trying to get a I'm trying to paint a picture for people about what um, not only who you are and what you stand for, but what just 
getting people engaged in the whole process again, what you do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to help change, uh, to help change, <laughs> I guess, you know, period. Well, mostly now all I do is uh, make fundraising calls and uh, talk to voters. <laughs> but, right. Um, things are going to slow down for the holidays, obviously. Right. Um, but we're, we've already, we're starting canvassing next month. So on the 2nd Excellent. of December, um, we're going to hit field early so right. we can get a jump on the other Democrats. Good. Um, if you need help with that, too, uh, uh, we can, uh, Sir Richard and I, we're good at uh, causing diversion. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, we'll help with whatever's possible, you know. Uh, Very good. Right. Uh, so over the next month or two, as things uh, move forward, uh I love the fact that you're getting an early kind of jump on everything and trying to get in people's minds. And the, the game isn't over. It's not, you know, it's not not begun yet. We're now starting uh, to do that. Um, how how can people help you? I mean, how can people uh, that may be watching this right now and saying, hey, I live up in Vancouver. I, I, I live in this district. How can I get involved? Um, so we'll have our Facebook event is already up so if you look at our Facebook page you can see the um, details for the canvassing event um, if you don't like canvassing we'll have plenty of other opportunities to get involved you know from data entry to phone banking um, and the biggest thing I mean those small dollar donations add right. up but it takes a lot of them if you think about it it takes a hundred twenty seven dollar donations to equal one wealthy person's twenty seven hundred dollar right. donation right so and we've seen this uh, flashed up on the screen here, the, the mm -hmm. Facebook page, uh, www.dorothyforcongress.com. You can get onto our Facebook page uh, and, and really learn how you can uh, uh, step up yourself and become involved in the process because now more than ever, we need everybody at the grassroots level because change, I mean, one thing we've always said on the show is change never happens from the top down. It always is from the bottom up. And... Uh, and so if people think, you know, hey, my, you know, my vote doesn't matter anymore, that nothing I can do makes a difference, uh, you're living testimony that that's just not true. Because unless people like, people like you step up and do the hard work and, and have that vision, uh, nothing is ever, you know, going to get changed. And uh, uh, even though I'm not in your district, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking your time and put, maybe putting your life on hold to to uh, serve a greater cause, you know. And uh, that's fantastic. Uh, so, folks, get on up there right now, DorothyForCongress.com. Get on their Facebook page. Uh, do what you can do. Heck, even if it's just ca uh, calling your local uh, Democratic office headquarters and just saying, hey, this is, you know, whatever your name is, fill in the blank, and saying, I want to help. How do I help? You know, that's where it starts. Yep. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Dorothy, I want to thank you so much. Uh, yes, thank you very uh, much. For coming in today. Uh, when, I, when I talked to Damien, and he says, hey, you, you need to get Dorothy on the show. <laughs> She's fantastic. And, uh, uh, again, just thank you, you know, for all you're doing. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Uh, right now. Uh, Dorothy, uh, this is going to be a treat for you. It's a treat for me. Every week I, lo I love this time of the show because uh, <laughs> Sir Richard hands out his weekly award. It's called the Putts of the Week. 
and uh, we just, uh, you know, Sir Richard just wants to shine a light on people that are... Need to be having a light shined on them. That's right. So, Sir Richard, take <laughs> it away. Well, who, who is your Putz of the Week? Well, just before uh, I get into the World's Greatest Putz of the Week Award, uh, I'd like people to remember that on this day in 1963, uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And for some, uh, that was uh, not just the loss of Camelot, but the loss of hope, because... Uh, from there, we went into uh, eventually Richard Nixon and then you know, Ronald Reagan. The, the downhill ball got rolling upon yeah. his assassination. So we, we went from the new frontier into Vietnam, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's see. Back to it. Today's world's greatest putts of the week goes to the entire Republican Party. We're not having the balls to stand up and remove the pedophile Roy Moore from the Alabama senatorial election. The, san, the, satanic, satanic, the satanic evangelicals and the devil-worshipping 50 pastors that support this sick child molester, and that includes the governor of the state of Alabama who hates child molesters but is going to vote for him anyway. Moore should be locked up in prison and have the key uh, shoved so far up his rear end that uh, it will hit the empty space where he calls a brain. Moore and what's going on with Me Too, I have to heartily congratulate the Me Too movement for what's going on. A, a cultural paradigm shift mm -hmm. is now going on in America that should have happened 300 years ago. But uh, I am great grateful to see that um, victims are taking a stand to stand up and speak for themselves yeah. and get these clowns out of there. Yeah. Dorothy, do you, do you see now why I love this segment so much? Because it's like, yes! You know. uh, yeah, we, like I said earlier at the top of the show, uh, there's a lot of like current event stuff that we're just not going to cover today because our interests are going to lie in. Uh, else, but I, I, folks, I have a whole lot to say about Judge Roy Moore and and, and what's going on there, uh, and you can believe uh, it'll probably be start next week that we uh, start telling you how we really feel. Oh, and the Republicans are scared beyond belief because if they lose one seat, yeah, then all of a sudden the Senate can shift. And uh, things will be vastly, even Pence can't come in and make a tie-breaking vote anymore. So the, and they yeah. don't know what to do. So it's funny to see them running around without any clothes on. Right. And uh, uh, when I first, I talked about it when we first, very first started the show. And uh, this may shock Dorothy a little bit. So uh, uh, way back when I was 18, 19, and whenever young, I was Republican. I was. I, you know, I, I grew up with the whole Reagan thing, you know, and it wasn't until I went to college and started getting more educated. I know that's going to back off a whole bunch of people when I say that, but uh, it's true. It was, and I, I cannot recognize, and I, I do not recognize today's Republican Party. Well, I mean, it's not, because the Republican Party of the 50s that elected Eisenhower yeah. uh, basically was for all of the things that the Democratic Party stands for today. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, George H.W. Uh, Bush is rolling, in his, is, is rolling in his grave, and he's not even dead yet, okay? Uh, there is n there's nothing that I recognize about the GOP. I can't even believe that, this, that there is a moment of hesitation 
that uh, that well, I, I I don't know if I'm gonna vote for. I just uh, the, if you're to that point where you even you even have a nanosecond where you have to think about it, you have no more moral authority. You need to go sit into the corner, and you probably should find something else to do for your livelihood because obviously character and empathy are not one of your strong. No, and they'd also have to find something that has no ethics and no morals to to be working in. Right. Which doesn't leave too much. Not, not a whole lot, yeah. Uh, so over the last few weeks, um, because we believe in solutions around here, right? We believe not only in uh, telling uh, the right where to get off, we believe in uh, giving our own vision about what things should do. And so I wanted to create a new segment, and, and I wanted to call it Help Us Help You. Right, I, I want to be about solutions. I want to put things forward, and I I, I want to help uh, the Republicans and that come into the twenty first century, not not back in the nineteenth century where they are at the moment. But I want to bring them, help them. So help us help you. And so this week's first installment of Help Us Help You is I I wanted to tackle Fox News. I wanted to uh, not only um, and Rupert Murdoch, by the way. Right. I didn't want to address the problem. I wanted to help foster things along. And so uh, this one is what we can do to help Fox News become better. And so I came up with four ideas for no, four new shows for them that they can put on their network, and I think it's going to click. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this will actually click. The first one, of course, they have in their early morning, their morning show is called Fox and Friends, right? And so I've given them two ideas for Fox and Friends. The first one is going to be called, my idea is, it's going to be called Fox and Fiends. Because like three quarters of them have been brought down due to scandals with, you know, sexual harassment. Or just being a general a general douchebaggery behavior, right? So Fox and Fiends, I figure you could bring back like Bill O'Reilly and all the other guys and sit them on a couch and it's Fox and Fiends. What do you think? Satanic, to say the least. Okay. Uh, so the, not only uh, Fox and Fiends, but I had a different theme for Fox and Friends, too. And I figured, okay, if you don't want to go that route, Fox, if you don't want to go that route, and you don't want, you know, O'Reilly in there and stuff, I figured we'll make it Fox and Fear. We could put Trump on there every day. He can sit on the couch next <clears> to him, <throat> and, you know, with his orange glow and the chia pit on his head and stuff, and he can do his little hand signs and hand signals. But it's going to be a hit. But he has to, he has to wear a little, uh, a little very tight mustache. The toothbrush mustache? Yeah, we need that. We need the, uh, uh, the plaster. We're going to have to change his hair around. Oh, yeah, it's going to have to be uh, turned uh, a much shader darker shade of black right but don't worry donnie don't worry buddy we got you covered um we're gonna let you keep your cheeto spray tan so it's cool i mean we're we're willing to work with you on that one okay so there's two ideas for fox and friends right there i feel like we're doing good work here we're helping right help us help you okay moving on okay everyone watches sean hannity right Especially on the right those guys oh hannity Hannity people love a crybaby they love a crybaby well because of all the stuff that's been going on, I wanted to help Sean re kind of redo his image. I mean, he's almost there anyway. Send him in for regrooving. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Oh, maybe a frontal lobotomy. Right. That would work. Yeah, but that's that's too much to ask. Yeah, especially uh, since so yeah. instead there of, is none. But instead of Hannity, here's what I have for Sean. Sean, you're you're pretty much far on the far right to begin with. I say go for it. 
don't have any pretense. We're going to rename the show Clanity. He shows up in one of those hood things every day. And I don't know, maybe get David Duke. Maybe there's a nice cheese platter or something. It, it could work. It could work. What do you think, Clanity? Yeah, Dorothy Clanity, what do you think? Yeah, the hood thing has got to stay there. I like it. Well, yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, he's got his little hood thing on, and the boom mic up top keeps whacking into his hood. And just, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Clannity. I love it. Clannity. Right? <clears throat> I figure it could be a hit in Alabama. Oh, definitely. Not to mention Mississippi, Georgia. Hold on. I'm getting something from the producer. Hold on. Wow. Clannity's already number one down there in Alabama. <laughs> Hasn't even aired yet. Anyway. So, so Sean... You know, I'm, I'm helping you with this, buddy. I'm trying to do my part to make sure that Fox News can be the best that it can be. But that's not it. I saved the best for last, okay? I saved the best for last. Uh, Tucker Carlson. He's a very combative guy, and he's he's all sort of worked up. He he just, he needs to relax a little bit more, right? He needs, he needs to, you know... Well, he does relax when somebody says something he doesn't like and he doesn't have a comeback. He just stares at the... Camera going, huh? Right. So I want I wanted to help uh, I wanted to help Tucker Carlson, and uh, I figured with his stern sort of uh, marmish, oh we're gonna, definitely, going to tap into that. I figured let's run with that. Let's let's get behind that. And so uh, Tucker, I'm going to put you in a nun's outfit, nun's habit, and we're going to rename the show Tucker Carlson tonight, or whatever the name of the show is. I don't watch so. Uh, but we're going to rename it. This is the best. You're going to love this. Mother Tucker. Mother Tucker, right? You're going to have an organ in the background. Uh, you know, like dearly beloved or whatever. And uh, they could have like almost like a church revival. Mother Tucker's out there. She's she's laying down the spiritual wangu on people. People in Fox News are going to love it, right? Because, you know, they're, religion. Uh, they, they claim to be, you know, the, the moral authority on religion and everything else. Mother Tucker is your answer. You just have to make sure you enunciate Tucker. <laughs> right, I thought of that, and I thought there could be. But then I said, you know, screw it. It's going to, you know, Mother Tucker, people are going to hear it's a, it's a thing. Oh, okay, you know, it just rolls off the tongue, Mother Tucker. So there you go, folks. I'm just trying to help. Help us help you, right? We're trying to give good, solid advice to those on the right. And I, I, I feel that... Um, I feel that these four offerings are, are well. Are you know, cold. you know when Rupert Murdoch uh, uh, leaves the uh, mortal coil that he currently carries, yeah. and his son steps in. Uh, his son was responsible for getting rid of O'Reilly. Yes, I, yeah, him and O'Reilly couldn't stand each other. No, and so uh, his son, I guess, has uh, maybe uh, two or three grams more scruples than Rupert does. Mm. So you might see, since uh, he was a millennial coming in to uh, run the show, that there could be a switch in how it's run and who they yeah. decide to put on because... Yeah. Uh, their biggest moneymaker, believe it or not, is not Fox and Friends and mm -hmm. O'Reilly and that stuff. It's Fox Sports. Yeah. And there's yeah. no politics in Fox Sports other than a kneel down. Right. Right. Yeah, that's the most controversial thing about that. Um, so what do you think? You think those four things, you think they help? You think well, you know what? It's It's a... Let's start. run it up the flagpole and see, you know, how high it gets there. And okay. who knows, you know, maybe Rupert's son is watching this and decides, you know, 
Maybe they have. They're on to something. I I feel good. I feel like we're doing good work here. Yeah, well, hey, Ed, you know, either that or Lauren Michaels, one or the other. Right. Just throw it out there in general. It's fine. A Lauren might like it. Right. Uh, folks, also, uh, of course, every every time we do the show here, we give you a cause of the week, a cause that you can get behind and, and help uh, spur some advocacy on your part. This week's cause of the week is Friends of the Children. It is a local mentoring service. Friends of the Children provides the community of most vulnerable children a stable relationship with professional mentors. A friend for uh, 12 and a half years from kindergarten to high school graduation. Wow, no matter what. For nearly 20 years, Friends of Children has searched for the most vulnerable children in the community and invited them to enroll in the program. They do this by partnering with elementary schools located in neighborhoods characterized by high levels of poverty and crime. Every spring, they send... Uh, they spend six weeks interacting with kindergartners at these schools in order to find the children who will benefit the most from having a friend in their lives. There you go. Friends of the Children. Folks, if you want to get behind this and help mentor a... Uh, a, a youth and uh, try to make a difference in somebody's life, you can. Uh, all you got to do is go to www.friendspdx.org. Again, friendspdx.org. Or if you want to call them on the phone, you can at 503-281-6633. Once again, 503-281-6633. Or if you're one of those guys that you want to go down in person, and you, know, you want to meet somebody, you can. Their address is 44 Northeast Morris in Portland, 97212. Again, 44 Northeast Morris, Portland, Oregon, 97212. So there you go, friends of the children. Great idea, because children need role models. <laughs> and, and if they don't have it at home, um, you know, a teacher seeing a child for half a day or a, one class period doesn't have the impact of having somebody there that that child can lean on when they need it. Right, I, I totally agree. More than ever, uh, more than ever, we need uh, good role models. And uh, this week's book endorsement also, I think, exemplifies that uh, book that I just got done uh, last night reading. Um, it is the uh, brand new uh, biography by uh, MSNBC's Chris Matthews. If I can say that correctly, Chris Matthews, Chris Matthews, host of MSNBC's Hardball, he's written a new biography about Bobby Kennedy. It's uh, already on the New York Times bestseller list. It's called A Raging Spirit, a, a revealing new portrait of Robert F. Kennedy that gets closer to the man than any book before by bestselling author Chris Matthews. With his best-selling biography of Jack Kennedy, uh, Chris Matthews shared a new look of one of America's most beloved presidents and a patriotic spirit that defined him. Now with Bobby Kennedy, Matthews returns with a gripping, in-depth, behind-the-scenes portrait of one of the great figures of the American 20th century. Uh, not only did I learn a lot of stuff that I uh, didn't know about Bobby, um, but uh, he, he had that... Uh, one aspect to him that we so desperately need in today's muddled uh, reality TV Don Trump world, and that is authenticity. Uh, from from his work going in uh, into uh, the Mississippi Delta uh, and really uh, connecting with uh, uh, just some of the poorest people in the northern, you know, in the northern hemisphere. Uh, Bobby Kennedy uh, 
personified a can-do sort of reaching out, building bridges that uh, we just don't see in today's political climate and landscape. I believe uh, in order to make a difference, we we need more Bobby Kennedys than ever. We need more uh, Dorothy Gasquets than ever to step forward and take the torch in the future. Folks, uh, it is an excellent book. Uh, I, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, you can go to Amazon or even your own local library and, and, and read it. It is Bobby Kennedy, A Raging Spirit by Chris Matthews. Sounds wonderful. And I thought it was pretty much fitting, even though uh, this is a book about Bobby, this being the 22nd of November, and of course that is the uh, anniversary of the assassination of JFK. I, I figured it was somewhat uh, apropos. Yes, I mean, uh, the day the music died. Okay, mm. cue Don McLean, please. Uh, so uh, we got just a couple minutes left here before we all ride off into the sunset and the credits roll. Uh uh, now that we now that we are back to being vertical again, we're not on our backs being sick with the bug. Uh, what's what's going on there, Sir Richard? I mean, uh, Thanksgiving's tomorrow. Yeah, stuff. well, my current uh, field of focus is on the fact that we could lo- lose net neutrality today. Oh. Uh, which most people don't have a clue what it means, but what it will mean to you is, one, your rates are going to go up, and two, uh, that uh, your ISP, your Internet service provider, will be able to slow down your feed Mm -hmm. or speed up other people's feeds because they're paying to have it. So this is the, the, the Internet, which was supposed to be the platform that was open to all at basically no cost other than of course you had to have a internet service provider will no longer exist yeah yeah they couldn't figure out they couldn't figure out to do it in radio and now they're doing it for the internet you know right uh, that is yeah I mean uh, I we've received numerous emails especially over the weekend this week when uh, they started tampering with the net neutrality and of course with the uh, with Roy Moore and all that, I promise you we will tackle that next show. We'll 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 get knee deep in it. Uh, Dorothy, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? What's going on? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna do sling the whole turkey stuff? What's going on? No, no. Uh, we haven't really planned anything this year. Gotcha. <laughs> we we talk about I'm too busy running for stuff. Yeah, I'm usually the one doing the cooking. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. And I really haven't had a lot of time to prepare for that, so right. we well, may be eating Chinese food. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you don't mind if I talk to your husband for a second? Dan? Multicultural. Dorothy's husband. I want to talk to you. <laughs> let's, let's come on in, grab a seat. Okay. Hi, nice to meet you. My name's Jason. Okay. Uh, now, she's running for prompt Aldis, right? I know you're proud as heck of her. So what, what do you say that you cooked the turkey this year? What do you think? <laughs> Could you do that? Maybe a little cranberry sauce on the side? What do you think? Oh, they can always go to Huber's. That's true. That's true. Very true. See, we're offering solutions. So, so Dorothy's husband, don't punch me. I'm just giving advice. It's cool. All right. All right. I feel like I've done a good service for you. What do you think? <laughs> Excellent. Folks, we will be back next week. Uh, uh, we're going to discuss some uh, interesting topics. Uh, we're going to, uh, we are going full throttle on the Roy Moore next week for a little bit. I've got some interesting takes on him. I've been, uh, uh, ready and eager to weigh in on this subject. Uh, I'm also going to put a new uh, a blog post up, which I haven't done in a while. I've, I've, I've been a bad host. I have not uh, 
done any more blog posts and uh, we're going to do that as well so folks until we meet again next week have a safe and happy thanksgiving uh as you're all gathered around a table uh it's okay to throw a couple things like a roll and other soft objects at your trump supporter uncle that's off in the corner i'll condone that you can do that maybe throw some gel at them uh but try not to throw the uh Turkey. Uh, yeah, try not to throw the turkey drumstick or anything like that, because not only is it a tremendous waste of food, but, uh, you know, you know it, it just it just wouldn't be good. Okay, so from all of us here at Turning Left, uh, to all of you, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you all again next week. Adios, bon voyage. Bye-bye. Stay safe.